Today's episode is brought to you by Stamps.com. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking that trip. And you can get the discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of using stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just going up a couple floors? Sure, take the stairs. Walking up 30 flights a day? You could use a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. Save time and money this holiday season with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code POD for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code POD. P-O-D. Alex, we're back. Yes, we are. Just, just you and I again. Just the two of us. Yes, that's a good, that's a song, isn't it? Da, 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 this, da, da. It's no. definitely a song. I don't know which one it is, but if you don't know, there's no chance I'm gonna know. It's on like the tip of my tongue. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Screw it. <It's> whatever. <laughs> yeah, originally, there's gonna be four of us today, and circumstances are what they are. And now there's two of us. Um, yeah. Which is hilarious. Um, we're going to talk about the Leafs as always. We're going to talk about the Habs of, as always. We'll probably open with them in a second because Jeff Molson has spoken. I will also move my phone farther from the mic so you don't hear the vibration. And I will put my laptop on Do Not Disturb as well um, and get ahead of that. Um, anyway, yeah, and we'll also sort of, you know, maybe have a little look at um, the Rob Brindamore stuff, Brandon Lemieux suspension, Evander Kane, those little nuggets. Uh, first off, we just want to give our condolences to the people in uh, Oxford, Detroit, for the school shooting that just happened. Um, I know a few in the show, Ellers, have sort of talked about it and, and shown their support. So first off, our sort of love to everyone there. Um, a tragedy. Um, and something that happens far too often. Um, and it's just such a shame. Um, and of course, going past that, as we sort of said with the stuff like Kyle Beach, it's a difficult turn to go off of, but um, it's when we make all the lessons. We'll start today, Alex, with the Montreal Canadiens who continue um, to just change. Um, Jeff Molson spoke. He had um, a press conference. We're going to get to a lot of the points and sort of maybe just to have a look at some of the draft history in Montreal because it, drafting and developing was a big part of his press conference. First off, I want to ask you, what was your biggest takeaway from that press conference? Um so the biggest takeaway for me from that press conference, I'd have to say, is it seems to me like Gordon is going to be the, I don't want to say the guy in charge, but honestly, it sounds like he's going to be a, the guy in charge where he's going to be more involved um, than, let's say, uh, Brian Burke 
or Brendan Shanahan as a guy above uh, whoever they decide to pick as as GM. And I think what that does is, you know, Jeff Gordon, we talked about last episode, really smart guy, Bruins, Rangers. I think if he can come to this with a plan, I think maybe it's better that he kind of takes control in a way. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I think, was the biggest sort of thing to come out of the press conference. The biggest idea was it looks like Montreal are very much going with a two-headed beast sort of running the organization. And it really does feel like it's Jeff Gordon's world, uh, which is, it's interesting because it is sort of a a loophole with the must-have-a-francophone a, a Quebecois. No, I don't do exactly. It's because I think seeing Quebecois and francophone are very two different things. But it is the requirement of having a francophone GM, and they will do that, as we know. That was made very clear again in the press conference. But you have someone from from the Boston area, as we said last episode, <laughs> running the Montreal Canadiens, which is something I didn't think I'd ever say in my life. But it's it's whoever they hire, and we'll go over some candidates in a little bit, actually. Um, right now, a lot of, I don't think anyone has said this guy is the front runner, but it's the guy people keep mentioning. Even if it's a guy like Danny Briere, who, for example, hasn't had a lot of experience, you know, towards the NHL level, of course, running the Mariners, the, a, so not the, the ECHL team of the Bruins. Um, he's you know, gotten a bit of sort of good praise from them. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to sort of see, and apparently, at, at the time I think that team launched, there was some affiliation with the Rangers. So in case anyone's wondering where would the connection be with Gordon, the way the hockey works, that's where you see it. But um, there are lots of good candidates. Um, and let's see, think we can start with one of them before we continue looking at everything else here. Um, first off, because I want to get him out the way because I don't want too much focus beyond this guy because I don't think he should be the GM. Patrick Waugh made it very clear the other day that he's interested in the position. Uh-huh. And I don't yeah. know about you, Let's see, first of all, I'll ask you, what did you make of, I think we all saw it coming, but certainly just how public he was and how he uh, didn't show up. I think he didn't show up to the Ramparts practice. I, it doesn't surprise me. Like, no. I think he was public before. Um, and I'm trying to remember when it was. I think it was around when Claude Julian got fired, right? Because those rumors did come up yeah. that he would take over as head coach. Obviously, it ended up being Ducharme. Um I'm not surprised. I just, now that I know Jeff Gordon is in place, I really don't think Patrick Waugh would work well in Montreal. Cause he, like we kind of saw it in Colorado. He likes to do his own thing. Yeah. 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 What he wants. Right. <laughs> it's, it's the, the ego there. Like, you know, by all accounts, Jeff Gordon's a very sort of to himself, very quiet guy. I mean, like, we didn't know about this until last Saturday. You know, I just don't think that that relationship would work. Not to mention, I think Wall's going about it the wrong way. Uh, you knew that people were going to ask him, but when he has a quote translated basically saying, what do they have to lose by hiring me? Instead of, I don't know, waiting for an interview, maybe a call. Like, the pressure maybe gets him an interview, but that's it. I wouldn't even, I personally wouldn't. I mean, they got Jonathan Marchessault to talk about. Did you see that? No. What? So I woke up today and Jonathan <laughs> Marchessault, first off, he denied that you need a French GM, which let's just that an argument again for another day, but it's never going to change. And then he said, Patrick Waugh is the guy they should hire. And then I immediately closed Twitter because I'm like, no, let's not no. do this. <laughs> that seems not. to me like an NHL player knowing it's a bad idea and saying it on purpose. 
That's a that's an NHL player that's like I it's just Jonathan Marcheseau. That just seems pretty him. Like he just pops off every once in a while. It's like, you know what the Habs should do? Was he the player who was he the player who popped off on in, in the Instagram comments a couple yes. of years ago? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Low key lippy guy, John. So actually, when you look at it, it's pretty funny. Looking back at the press conference with Jeff, uh, no, sorry, Jeff Molson. There's so many Jeffs. Jeff Molson, Jeff Merrick, not involved, but still, there's just so many Jeffs. Um, we saw through the three pillars that were really the team need to improve upon. First off, better drafting. Better player development, I think we can. And I'm, I'm going to bring up a point about this in a second. Um, and better support for its players on the team so they can be at their best. Now, stemming off from that, um, this is something I think that, for me, besides the sort of hockey stuff, I think off-ice, this is an extremely important thing I think the Canadians have, are planning to do. They are apparently putting together a medical team that's going to be purely focused on the mental health of its players. Uh, we obviously know what's happened over the past year with Jonathan Duran, uh Carey Price's situation. He, by the way, skated again this week, so you love to see that. No equipment, but still another step in his recovery. Um, but I just thought that was – also, diversity was another thing he sort of mentioned. Again, we'll talk about that in some hirings possibly a little later. But I just thought that was a very cool thing for Jeff Molson to come out and say, and I thought it was very much a, um, a sort of a head-of-the-game sort of – concept for the Hapsi, if you know what I mean. I think it's a good trend to set. If there was a team to implement something like this, it was Montreal, considering, number one, the pressure on the players from the media and the fans, and obviously, like, it it is incredibly high. Um, And number two, having two star players go through or take time off uh, because of mental health issues, was there? A, there really was no better team to do it. Also, it's a very important thing to do. We know that when you're when you're okay mentally, you're going to do better. And it's not a matter of you're not trying to fix. Like I think we have to clarify that it's not about fixing the the player. It's about finding a solution to their problems because problems will continue to appear over a person or a player's lifetime. It's being able to find a way to, to deal with it every single time or having the tools available to deal with it every single time, not deal with it once and then let it go. You know what I thought was, was really, really um, was perfect timing this week was the agent provocateur with Max Pacioretty. Um, but if anyone hasn't listened to that, I, I highly recommend it, especially if you're a Habs fan. So Max Pat, and I, like watching that, and I've seen so many Max Pacioretty press conferences from when he was a Montreal Canadian, obviously. Um, you can you can kind of see the stress that's gone with him and how he's in Vegas. He talked about his first, um, I think it would have been after the seven-game series versus Vegas, and his um, exit interview with McPhee and McCrimmon. And he was nervous for it because, you know, their post, their end of the year press conference or end of year meetings. And I'm sure in Montreal, they are awful. <laughs> and even in other teams, like remember OEL apparently had a really short one with Arizona, right? And what Patch already said is what they said to him, and he's expecting, oh, we blew this playoff series, whatever, whatever. They asked what they could do for him. That's like, you didn't expect, I was kind of shocked, you know, when I think about it. Um, and he also had this, this, he talked about how, 
He thinks everyone in Montreal has a shelf life. And I saw some people rubbed the wrong way a little about that, like a bit about that. I don't think he was wrong at all. And he talked about the mental thing of Montreal. Um, and we all know that, but the, the stress that guy was under, I think more than anyone, being a captain. He mentioned something, being an American captain there was so difficult. And, you know, we speak about like the pressure of, a, of having a Francophone coach and a GM, but if you're the player, God, the stress you must feel. Imagine you're just walking around and someone's like, oh, no, I do should not be the captain, which I guarantee happened. I've heard people in the streets just, you know, yell. Anyway, um, I won't go too much into that. But I thought that was really interesting. And he sort of talked about, like, the mental thing of in Montreal, a five-game losing streak can go to 10. And the sort of – he mentioned I, – I, I, he didn't say, like, scare tactics, but there was almost fear. I'm paraphrasing here. And I think if you look at Montreal right now, there's a culture for a couple of years now with young players that they are afraid to make mistakes because they're going to be riding pine or they're going to be sent down. I just thought it was a really – Patrick spoke very, very well. I never knew how sort of cerebral the guy was. Like that's a guy, by the way, you could see being in management. I know at the end of the interview they asked if he was interested, but that's a guy after his career at least I would personally be like, I'd like to bring him in as like a special advisor or something. Like – like uh, it was a, I had never seen that Max Pacioretty before, and I think it it speaks to not only how well I think Vegas treat their players outside of the trading stuff. We know that, but also how heavy the pressure is in Montreal, and how good of an idea this mental health medical team really is. Yeah, and it, and it's a good idea, and and not just for Montreal. And you brought up that shelf life thing there, and and I think. That's an interesting point because, you know, you look at uh, Doug Wilson, you look at David Poyle, who's been there for years and years. And then you look at, you know, go look at some of the GMs, the Canadian GMs, and look at how they've aged. Like, look at Jim Benning's, for example, look at Jim Benning's uh, facial expression. Just like he looks exhausted. And reasonably so, like his team's not doing great, but he looks exhausted. So the shelf life, I, I agree with. With the mental health team, I think it's a good thing for every team to do just because you're going to get the best out of your players. There's literally nothing to lose, mm-hmm. literally nothing to lose by implementing this. If everything anything, you're, yeah, exactly. You have everything to gain. Like, what are the chances that you implement this and the mental health of your team deteriorates? The mm-hmm. only way that happens is if you, you're not doing it properly, which I'm sure a plethora of teams wouldn't do this properly. But if you do this properly, it will pay dividends. 100%. Looking also, 30, in uh, 32 Thoughts, Friedman did say, it looks like Jeff Gordon's deal is five years. Uh, you'll love to see it. Very, very good. Very, very good. Also, we can sort of look, uh, and I think he, I think it was said by Dom Ducharme, he should be in Montreal soon. I think Lavoie had one tweet saying today he should be in there, and I think the, the, the plan is he's speaking to the media on Friday. So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what sort of comes out of that. I'm sure we're going to be talking about that on Sunday with hopefully a guest. Um, I'll keep saying it until I can talk it into <laughs> existence. Um, something else that was pretty important there was Jeff Molson said he wasn't afraid of the term rebuild and he doesn't think the fans are either, which I thought was uh, like, you know, what's funny, Alex is 
that was easily the most refreshing press conference the Habs have had in years. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't the like you know the Bergevin classics that he had the uh, knock in the mortgage, the future, the answer is in the room. Asians. There weren't any of that, and yeah. I think I'm one of many Habs fans that I saw on Twitter that were universally like, okay, yeah, we we'll take a rebuild, just have a plan, and that's what is so refreshing about this so far. It looks like it looks like there's a freaking plan. There's, there's. Remember that in the the athletics, uh, like fan um, yes. confidence in the front office. It was all about vision. Vision. Detroit had great vision, guys. Detroit. That's had, why they were had, one of the best front offices in the league. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting point. Like, I mean, I've looked at this team and I've said, okay, is it rebuild, retool, whatever? Um, but again, if you have a plan, that's the most important thing. And and again, we look back at Mark Bergevin's career as a Montreal Canadian, uh, and we can split that up into two because there was these two five-year rebuilds kind of. Um, I mean, talk. we can have a discussion about the success of them, but he there needs to be a plan. Like I think that's the most important thing, like you said, because a team without a plan is going to be in disarray. And we look at teams across the league. Let's take Minnesota, for example, where – you know, for years, they were this just mm-hmm. this middling team with no identity, no plan, no nothing. Bill Guerin comes in. Uh, Kaprizov comes to, to North America. And then this summer, he buys out Brian Suter and Zach Parise Boom. out of nowhere. But my guess is it's part of a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so a plan is very important in anything. <laughs> oh, 100%, man. So going back to drafting and developing very, very quickly here. So I can't remember, Alex, you might have heard this. I can't remember if you were still on the FaceTime with Mike and I, um, or if I said this after you left and it was while he and I were playing Halo. So I, I went through, actually, first of all, before I show you that, um, this is Mark Bergevin's record, by the way, during his entire time as, as Habs GM. So his regular season record, and if I've put overtime losses into the same category as losses, because that's what you should do. He re- he finishes with a record of 344 wins to 346 losses. So at the end of it, he has a losing record. Wow. So, and and you got to remember too, there was a, a two or three division titles in there. So you got to remember they were that bad some years. And uh, if you look at post-PK Subban's trade, and remember they won the division the year after that, he still finishes with a record. Get this, overtimes in the loss category, 181 wins, 215 losses. That's surprising. Like, uh, maybe it's just me and you'd have a better grip of the last 10 years of Montreal. But to hear him have a losing record in both categories uh, was very surprising. You got to think of it like this, right? So the year that got Subban traded was when price was bad. They finished like ninth last. Um, you think about the after, so the 17, 18 year, they finished fourth last, you know, 24th, technically the year, the COVID shortened year, the like 18th place last season. And then how bad they are to start this season. It is. And remember like Bergeron claimed it was the retool and maybe you can say that's why the record's that, that bad, but yeah, it, it is kind of when I first was doing the maps and I, 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 I double checked and I was watching Tim and friends and they brought it up and I took a screenshot of it so I could check what I had and it was right. So my math is on. Okay. 
shout out. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not great. So, and if I if you want a little bit of a nugget to do with drafting and developing, Alex, you're gonna love this. Okay. okay. So I went through 2012, which was Bergevin's first draft, to 2018. I've left 19, 20, and 21 aside for fair. this purpose here, because you know some of those players might just be making the roster and all that. Fair enough. Okay. So between 2012 to 2018, they drafted 50 players. How many do you think played a minimum of 50 NHL games? Okay, I'm t- I'm I don't know. I have their uh, draft history up, so I'm yeah. just gonna take yeah. a guess here. It, yeah. It's it's under 10 uh, for the team or in general. The, the, what do you mean? Like yeah, who do well, they? Mikhail Sergich have played. Oh yeah, yeah. It's any any games. player how okay. they end up going. Yeah. Uh, is it 10? It's 11. Okay, close. In fact, what's really, really funny is 2015 has zero. Uh, 2017 has zero. Now, I will say there are some exceptions before I keep going. Paling, I think, is at, and I made this a couple days ago, so there might be another game in here. Paling's at 37. Juleson's obviously at 48, but no longer with the team. Kale Fleury was at 41. Pizzetta has started playing this year. He's at 10. Cole Caulfield, obviously, is the 2019 draft, I'm pretty sure, but he has 25 regular season games, 20 uh, playoff games, but still. Um, now, if I go back and I tell you of those 11 players who've played at least 50 NHL games, how many are still on Montreal's roster today? Okay, so let us let me think about so this. So 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, seven years of drafting. How yeah. many players are on the roster now who have played 50 regular season hockey games? So... I want to say Lekkinen was drafted during that time, right? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Okay, so I'm going to pick Lekkinen as one. Um, I I think that's it, man. Like, I'm looking at the roster. I Brendan Gallagher was before. Duran was yes. not drafted. Yep. Anderson, like, the only other one. No, no, it has to be just Lekkinen. So it's three, it's th- first off, it's, it's three players, three of okay. three of 50 Okay. to give you context. Uh, Alexander Romanov. Ah, uh, yes. Right yes. at the cutoff. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Archery Lekkonen. Yes. As yep. you're right. That's a very good one. And don't forget drafted in 2014. The only player of that draft who has played more than 50 games, Jake Evans. Ah, uh, okay. I didn't, you know what? I thought of Romanov. I wasn't sure if it was it, he had played 50 games, but yeah. Yeah, he got he, he did it last year. I think he played yeah. all but two. But for an example, so the players, for example, we've had Galchenyuk, who's a ghost, Charles mm-hmm. Houdon, who is now in Syracuse in the AHL team for Tampa. McCarran has split time between Nashville and Milwaukee. Jacob De La Rose is in Sweden. Sven Androgetto's in the Swiss League. Victor Mete's in Ottawa. Sergachev, two-time Stanley Cup champion with Tampa Bay. Um, Jesperi Kakinemi's on the list. We all know how that went. So there you go. I just thought I'd give you that cheeky little nugget of how their drafting has been. Not great. Is Three it, players but, and 50, 50 picks. So I'm just scrolling through, um, and, and I'd have to do the math, but I have this gut feeling that he, Mark Pergevin has gone more out of his second to seventh round picks than he has out of his first round picks. Uh, he has to. Well, think of it. Who's okay? Who's a first-round draft pick on the roster right now? I'm thinking Caulfield and Paling off the top of my head. 
between who he's he who has he's drafted. drafted. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's let me about just it. let me just I'm gonna get up there cat friendly and just off the top of my head see who, who I can know. He didn't draft Price. He didn't no. draft Primo. That's, I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna see who is on the roster right now because I'm not going through all the injured players. Plus I don't okay Allen no. Oh, I just have to. They have no. Oh my God, dude! They have one guy on their defense who, sorry, two who were drafted. Norlander Romanov. Norlander wasn't a first round pick. Neither was Romanov. He was second. Um, Paling first rounder. Pizzetta was not. Evans was not. Suzuki. They no. So Caulfield. Um. Yeah, I think it's just That's Caulfield it. and Paling. <laughs> That's awful. So then, if we look at Gallagher, oh no, we didn't even draft him. We didn't him. draft him. So. So it's Charles Houdon had 125 games. Yeah. Sven Arjugetto had Andrew 200. Andrew Ghetto. And then Lekin and Evans Romanov. So yes, he has. And, and Jacob De La Rose had 242 games. Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> Stanley Cup champion. So there you go. I, I think that speaks oh, plenty. We are forgetting one. We are forgetting one. Victor um, Mete played 212 games in the NHL yep. or is playing still yep. currently. Yep. Wow. <laughs> That's not great. No, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. Okay. Um, so I was very critical that not a lot of people were asking about Logan Mayu. Um, it wasn't exactly the reason Bergeron was fired. There were a few different reasons. Um, no one asked as of right now whether his rights are being kept. Now, there was one quote and the quote was, the Mayu situation will lead to a better place in the future, referring to planned organization and educational initiatives. Now, what I find interesting is he didn't reference anything to do with Mayu himself. I feel like maybe when Gordon, if no one asks Gordon if they're renouncing his rights or not, maybe people, maybe the journalists sort of thought that it would be somebody like we ask him. Because what I was telling you is, is do you ask, are you planning on renouncing his rights? And if not, what you would do is you kind of, you make sure you can get an answer out of it because you don't want to do a yes or no. Like they teach you that golden rule, yeah. never ask a yes yeah. or no question. And, but then you add to that, my follow-up to that would be, if you are not renouncing his rights, what have you done to date to work with Logan? Because he's obviously not playing right now because he's banned for the rest of this year. As in this right. 2021, not the full, you know what I mean, right? And, you know, they did say he was going to work with it. Like when the pre all those press conferences happened after the draft, one of the things that I believe Molson and Bergevin and co said was that they were going to work with Mayu, right? Like I'm mm -hmm. not getting that wrong. So that would actually be a really good question. Um, also the quote of, you know, uh, this situation will lead to a better place in the future. Okay. But like, didn't you? They, I feel like they also said that at the press conference in June and June or July, whenever the draft was. And it's mm. December 1st. And I don't, by any means, I don't mean that you have to have something concrete, concrete at the moment. I'm very well aware of these things do take time to develop and you want to do it properly. But at least give some direction of where you're going and what that means, because that's a very generic answer. Um, and we've heard it many times before. That's why I'm thinking they have, it's, it's one of two things. They're either finally going to renounce the pick, which should have been done, or they're just hoping people are going to forget about it, which will not happen because he's meeting with the OHL in the new year. So it's going to come back. So 
I think like pri- like thing number one for Gordon, I think they they need to make a decision here. You can't keep hiding it. Like it was a, I thought it was a near perfect press conference, except for the fact that they did not properly address the Mayu stuff. And again, like everyone's so confident about Bergeron getting. By the way, so Paul Wilson, you know how we were kind of confused about why he got fired. Yeah. I completely forgot that he was the one who totally mishandled the Mayu stuff, apparently with public relations. Which I was kind of like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because apparently, I guess, this is so dumb by Molson. I will say this. The word coming out from guys like Freeman, Chris Johnson, everyone has been that he wasn't expecting the public reaction to be what it was. Which is kind of like, I don't know what you expected, Right, but apparently that is probably what led to Paul Wilson being fired as well. I'm just curious, at, like, what? And you can answer this. Like, what could have Paul Wilson done that really would have fixed the situation? Like, what? What? It, before the press release was even re- like that, the press release was released by the Canadians. There was flurry on Twitter. I just I don't see anything that Paul Wilson could have done. I think it was an attitude thing with him. I don't uh, think it was. Yeah, I okay. think it was more. A, yeah, yeah. So, and I think yeah. it was. If they're gonna wash their hand cleans into regards to what he may have done there, that's another sign that makes me hope that they are renouncing him again. Mm-hmm. Trust me, when we talk next episode about Gordon's press conference, we will have this discussion again. Uh, so, when is we his know- press conference? So I know you it should said be it. Friday. Should be Friday. Okay. Should be Friday, apparently. So just quickly, um, last thing for Montreal. We'll hold up on talking about how they've been playing games because it's still awful. <laughs> and it sounds like Caulfield may be getting sent down because whatever. Whatever, guys. Just keep him there. That's all I asked. Just I, we just him. talked about drafting and developing. I know. <laughs> like, this I know. is their next move. I which I mean, listen, like it's Jeff uh, with Jeff Gordon's first move. So yeah. that's fine. We'll see. I don't think, again, he's, we'll see what he says, but if I'm him, I'm sending him down to the AHL. I'm saying, listen, dude, communication is something that team needs to work on with its young players and just be like, listen, I'm sorry. The team is awful. It's not on you. Please just go light it up and we'll see you next year, kid. It, it's it's kind of like uh, Berkey tells a story. I think it was Perry and Getzlav. He sent yes. down. And, and I mean, like, it's kind of similar there. Like, I would send down as all the young guys you can send Norlander back to Sweden. Maybe, maybe uh, that's like, what Corey Perry did when he called Caulfield the first time. It's like, I know what it's like. Dude. Exactly. Like just do whatever you got to do. So yeah, the Habs apparently will be patient with their job search. I think that's fair enough. When you've got Gordon running it, I don't really think it matters when you make the, the, the hire, right. like even bleeding into the summer. Now what's interesting apparently is, so we're going to talk about some candidates here. First off, Matthew Darsh. Um, as I've talked about before, a guy in Tampa Bay. Apparently, Julian Brisebois does not believe in holding his guys back, so he doesn't have a clause where he would have to wait till the end of the year. Hello, hello there. Ooh, um, that's quite ni- that's quite nice, isn't it? And the other time candidate we've talked about, Martin Martin Jr. Uh, Madden. Why I said it like that? Um, Martin Madden Jr. Apparently was approached by Seattle last year. I think Chris Johnson may have said that. Sorry if I got that wrong to whoever actually said it. Um, but what I, I have a really big question about with Martin Madden Jr. Is this GM job won't be the same as other organizations. So I wonder if he would take a lateral move from California. 
When he hasn't even been named interim GM in Anaheim, which is where you would hope his first choice would be, especially because he doesn't have to build the team because he drafted all those players to begin with. Right. Like uh, that's my one concern with Madden Jr. Who is GM right now? Oh, Jeff Solomon. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing, and I think that would also go for Matthew Darsh as well, right? Because he's assistant general manager, so it would also be a lateral move for him. From uh, Tampa Bay. <laughs> from Tampa Bay. I but I think I I think the advantage of coming to Montreal in for both of those is both of those guys, sorry, is you're learning under Jeff Gordon and eventually the responsibility will come towards you. Like over these five years or X amount of years that Jeff Gordon is here, I don't necessarily see him being the, the, the guy there. Like eventually I have a feeling that we're trying to get to a point where there are is a self-sustaining general manager, not yeah. Jeff Gordon and a general manager. It's It will be, obviously, I think the plan going forward, maybe even past the five years of Gordon's contract, because apparently he's moving his family next year, and you don't move your family unless you think it's a long-term fix. Is there will be a set distinction, like this guy does this, this guy does this. And maybe if it's it's not exactly the full power a GM would have, but at the same time, like that's sort of the split in power and the more like involved presence are happening. So maybe if, if it's not the full power of a GM, it's still where the league is going. And maybe you could say it's still more sort of sway over the organization that you have in your, your current role. Something else I think Chris Johnson, again, I'm so sorry if this is someone else and I've got this wrong. Chris Johnson may have said that Martin Madden Jr. is very much a, um, uh, what's the term? Uh, he's very much an introvert. And he's not one for like the spotlight, which is what this GM apparently has to be. But at the same time, I wanted to run Montreal's draft so badly. <laughs> um, that'd be cool. Again, my guy, I'm thinking Matthew Darsh right now, and I would be cool with. There aren't a lot of candidates. I don't. I think I'd actually be too upset with. Um, we talked about Danny Briere. That's been talked about a lot in the media. At this point, I've turned my mind about. I'd be fine with Roberto Lalongo. You know what? Then he's like moving from Florida, which is pretty sick. But at the same time, you know, come back home. And again, like you're looking, you're looking for a guy. It seems to me the candidates that they've talked about so far are ones with limited experience. Yeah. And what this job is going to be is a a really large learning opportunity, which isn't something you necessarily think you'd see. Um, in Montreal, but GM of the Montreal can right as a learning opportunity. Isn't that like, it's so weird to say out loud, yeah. but I think that's what it, it is. And it's, it's going to be a difficult job considering you just took over from Mark Bergevin. And think of how funny it would be to have, like, I'm just thinking of like the public face of it. Lalongo is a pretty funny guy. He probably couldn't tweet anymore, but. Yeah, but that <laughs> you say you say that, and I think you're right. But at the same time, it's like when when the going gets tough, no one like no one's gonna take that funny guy when when things are bad. Like from a media perspective or from a fan perspective, I don't think that's gonna be taken light like taken well. By the way, you, you mentioned like the stress. Go look up Mark Bergevin when he got hired. Oh yeah, it is it is like young color in his hair. It's it's hilarious. Some other guys, uh, Jocelyn Thibault has been talked about. You know, the guy, for those of you who don't know, that's the guy that Waugh was traded for. <laughs> and, of course, Patrick Waugh, but no. Um, no. 
I also thought of some coaching um, guys. If you'd like to hear them. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Do Charm should be gone. <laughs> um, coaching Patrick Waswa. <laughs> yeah, it's a safe thing. It's like he wants to do what he wants to do, and I just I don't know if that's going to roll with this uh, management group. Yeah, but I just it would that would be fun. I would take him as coach for like. It would be chaos for sure. See, I would I would appreciate that though. Not GM, but like coach. Why not? Price would get pulled ten minutes in. Uh, ten minutes with ten minutes left. So what's funny is Elliot Freeman was kind of like we could see some big changes and apparently contenders are looking at like keeping an eye on what happens, like what might happen around Carey Price. I was like, no. And like someone was making Colorado jokes. I'm like, don't do that to me. You'd obviously, I would imagine you would have to take at least 2.5 of that back to keep him like, like at least at like, like yeah. if I'm making a trade for Carey Price, I'm not taking it unless he's around Markstrom's range. More likely, you'd at least try and hold back half of it. But I just thought that was really interesting. That it feels like, like if Friedman's saying big changes are coming, that's very worrying. As in, like stressful. It's good for the sake of the team. But um, another guy, Pascal Vincent, who was the assistant in Columbus. He previously was the head coach of AHL Manitoba. That's obviously Winnipeg's affiliate. Uh, Stefan Julien, who is the head coach and GM of the Sherbrooke Phoenix. Currently, you know, they're a good team right now. Uh, the Etsy coach is uh, Jeremy Waugh, Habs prospect, who was just named to the World Juniors. Congratulations. Um, and, uh, okay, these last two guys. Okay, bear with me here. Bear with me. Okay. For one year, Claude Julian, <laughs> he just, he gets that last year of his contract back. <laughs> and it's like, hey, listen, listen, man. <laughs> I mean, he his system may have fallen down towards the end of his tenure, but his system under Dominic Ducharme did work for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, they, that's when they were good. Their best season in years was under Claude Julien. I was right. just thinking. So remember how when Julien got fired, we were like, he lost the room. I'm starting to think it was just the roster, and I'm like, they probably should never have fired Claude Julien because I'm starting to think he was, he, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I think now seeing what's happened with Ducharme and Travis Green, like right. in Vancouver, I think that's losing the room. I feel like it's anyway. And um, the last guy, Keep Boucher. <laughs> Why not? Boucher. Or Alain Vigneault, if he gets fired. God, no. no. The third, first Terrian came back for a second term. Yeah. Then Claude Julien. And now we're going to go to Alain Vigneault. No, I can't. I don't know what the Flyers are thinking. We need to talk about them too, because the Flyers are, they want to see what they have. I don't know what that means, but. Well, um, I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen may bounce back, right? Yeah. So. Even I can't defend that guy anymore. Yeah. You know what no, I mean? That's it's difficult. difficult. It's difficult. Okay. So from here, we have a few things to go towards. I think we can... Oh, sorry. By the way, the diversity thing. Yes. Do you know, I think, the first woman to ever take place... You may have seen this because the Habs posted about it today and ruined it. Ruined my idea that I had last night. Uh, do you know the first woman to ever take part in an NHL practice? No. It was for the Montreal Canadiens. Carey Price had the flu. It was Kim St. Pierre. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, wow. So, obviously, she works as an analyst for LDS. I think if you wanted to really be diverse, they've started on, like, the office side. Obviously, we talked about Margaret Bellingay um, a few months ago. In the hockey ops department, hire Kim St. Pierre. That's been going around Have Twitter. Hire Kim St. Pierre. Like, honestly, why not? Whenever she's done, you know you can bring in Marie-Philippe Poulain. That would be cool. Like, you know what? There's 
They've worked with some women's hockey. Obviously, we know about Les Canadiennes back when the CWHL was a thing. Um, so I, I just that was another thing I just really, really quickly wanted to mention was like hire Kim St. Pierre. Like there is absolutely no reason to. Um, I'm gonna save this other stuff for when we have on. Hopefully, when we have our guest on. Um, and I just want to read you one quick thing, and then we're gonna go to the Leafs here. So this was Ian McIntyre's sort of. Uh, like tidbit, like tweet about his recap of the Montreal Vancouver game. So bad it was good. Evenly matched, equally flawed. Canucks and the Canadians combined for 40 turnovers, 53 scoring chances, and 70, 76 shots. But their desperation was equally high, which made for an entertaining game. And Vancouver's first road win since October 23rd. Oh my God. I did not see desperation by the Canadians, by the way, in that game. But anyway, that's uh, that's something for the uh, the other day. I uh, saw someone tweet, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and Vancouver Canucks are playing a game tonight. And someone responded with, we should not call that a hockey game. I don't know why I watched it. I ruined it either. I don't know why. So we can go to Toronto. First off, congratulations, Jason Spezza. 1,200 games, and he's still young as a chicken. Spring as a chicken? Spring chicken? Is that his thing? Yeah, yeah, spring chicken, I think. I don't. Yes, spring chicken. It's one of them. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. I, I mean, he, and he's so always so positive or always so happy, especially around this team is sometimes difficult to do. But um, I think it's – okay, I'm going to put it this way. I think it's – he is underrated to this team, not with the stuff he does on the ice, but the stuff he does does off the ice. I think yeah. every, when Patrick Marlowe came in, everyone talked about Patrick Marlowe. When uh, Joe Thornton came in last year, everyone talked about Joe Thornton. I don't think we talk about Jason Spezza the same way we have about the, the last two guys. And, and I think he's done a hell of a lot. I don't, I don't want to rank importance. Like that's not the point. I think the point is, is, you know, we saw it a little bit in the uh, Amazon documentary, and I think his presence in the locker room is important. And he makes seven hundred thousand dollars, and he's also not bad. Like he's not bad. We've seen old guys sometimes; they're not great, but like he's not bad. Joe Thornton, off. Yeah, that was rough. That 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 was rough sometimes. But like Jason Spezza, like still lo- doesn't look like prime Jason Spezza. But there's some random glimmers of Jason Spezza out there. I still remember when everyone thought he was toast in Dallas. And yeah, just yeah. Toronto was like, hey, I'm still good. Yeah, man. SDPN radio. <laughs> Hot takes. Hot what, takes. Have, what were some of them? Like, well, it- Adam Wilde was like, he's not. This was his first year in Toronto saying he wasn't going to be a everyday player and like he was toast whatever well, it was fun under was babcock fun. he wasn't yeah no under babcock he was never playing um but <laughs> especially that first home game <laughs> but whatever it's hindsight man who would have mm-hmm. expected this shout out also to uh, ryan getzlaff who had a thousand points so it took me a long time to realize why there was a joke saying leafs keep rolling like the 2001 undertaker and i realized i think that was daniel making the the, the biker undertaker WWF reference. I think so. I keep did not rolling, put that rolling, joke. Rolling, 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 <laughs> keep rolling, rolling, rolling. And you know what? They're rolling home. The abs are in town. There's a joke here. The Leafs rolling may come to an end when an avalanche of talent hits the ice. That's a that's a great headline. 
thank you. Um, there is a legitimately, um, we talk about benchmark games. It was already one without Nathan McKinnon with how well the abs have been playing. They've really been heating up. And we'll talk about Kadri in a second because he has had a great start to the year when like in that sort of role he's had with McKinnon being gone. Uh, but it looks like Mac attack will be back tonight. Um, but that's what I mean. It is, and by the way, for context, 20, I didn't know he was doing this well. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. Okay, it is 27 points for, for Kadri. I thought it was penalty minutes. That's 30. The dog's <laughs> yelling at me to make sure I was right. 18 games, 27 points for, uh, for Nazem Kadri. Yeah, but he has been absolutely lighting it up in Colorado, especially without Nathan McKinnon being there. He has taken the step up. It's just, it was always a thing with Kadri that you knew. Obviously, you know, he had his 30 goal years and all that. It's just if he can continue that momentum when he's hit back down in the lineup. You know what I mean? It's, I'm really interested to see, because I, I don't know if he stays in Colorado just because like, the money he could command in the open market. Like, you know how it, we'll see what happens with Thomas Hurdle and the likes of like, those kind of the centermen that may hit the open market. But there is easily a, a market for Nazem Kadri as that sort of secondary centerman or like a team that needs a center, but like, can't quite, you know, I either have the assets or the money to pay for a one, a guy right. that instead they can go after Kadri. And, and I think that's where he's best. And I think at the end of the day, that's why it didn't necessarily work in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, in his last year in Toronto, they put him in a position where he's not going to get, the same amount of minutes, right? He was third line center behind John Tavares and Austin Matthews. Like that's just the reality. And that wasn't the best role for him. Like I'd admit that. I don't know how many other people would admit that because they can't see past the fact he got suspended like twice. He's been suspended three out of four playoffs. Like, I I don't know what else we're supposed to, supposed to do, supposed to talk about there, but whatever. Um, It, it just, it didn't necessarily fit in Toronto. And I think in Colorado where he's playing second line center, that is what is best. Like that's where he's his best, where he's two 30 goal seasons. He was a top six center. And I think for any team that does get him in the off season knows they're getting a solidified top six center who has the ability to score 30 goals, but know that if you don't play him in the top six, you're not getting the most out of him. Like, I, I don't know why that's so difficult to, to understand. Early prediction, Philly. Really? Uh, you know what? It fits their, uh, it fits their mold. Do you know who yeah. I was thinking? This is a hot take, and it's really bold. Okay. I want you to think about expiring centers this summer. Okay. One team in particular. They're they're about to lose uh, one of the best centers of this gener of their generation. Their generation. Who am I forgetting? It's obviously not Timo Meyer because he's not. He's good, but he's not that good. Best centers of his generation. One of, one of, one, one of. of. Not, not. He's not top, but he's been damn, damn good. It's- oh wait, okay. No, I was about to say Philly, but no, like because Giroux. But no. Who am I not thinking? Cross state rivals. Cross state rivals. No, not going to Pittsburgh. Hear me out. Hear I me. I forgot out. Malkin was a free. Malkin agent. is a free agent. 
and I'm just pointing this out. Who drafted Nazem Kadri and who never stops talking oh about Nazem Kadri? Oh my God, you're right. Brian Burke. I'm I'm calling it here. Listen, it's just a bold prediction. That's it fits. That's really good. Actually. And it fits too, right? Nazem Kadri will be the second line center of the Pittsburgh Penguins starting next season. So you know, by the way, like side note, I, I I'm a little embarrassed that I'm mentioning this. I actually miss Austin Matthews' mustache. I didn't think I'd ever say that, but he looks so weird without it. <laughs> he looks like a child. He does actually. It's it's uh, before I was like it's awful. Get rid of it. He, <laughs> he definitely looks like he was drafted, except the hairline. There's a, it's a good thing he's wearing a hat in that picture because if not, yeah. I can only imagine how bad it would all look together. Oh, and by the way, the Leafs were twelve and two in November. No big deal. <laughs> yeah can can I can I talk about that for a second? Because something so really is, is it going to be a weird philosophical thing with you and Leafs fans where it's like I, it, it's it's really funny when the when Leafs Twitter goes and the Leafs are on a roll because it's like. They're nervous to celebrate. You know what? It's actually not Leaf fans. Um, it's everybody else. Uh, uh, man, I saw I, Adam Wilde was like, yeah, mom, it's, just, it's, it's like Steve tweets like, I'm ready to get hurt again. It's like, like what's wrong? Like that, if the Habs won back-to-back games this year, I'd be throwing confetti around. I, okay, I, it's not. I don't have a thing against Leaf fans, right? Like, listen, everyone's everyone can have their opinion. I'm just saying, are we allowed? Am I allowed to give credit to the team for what they're doing now? Because every time I do, I feel like I go on Twitter, and then I have like every. I see just well. I mean, look, wait until April. I mean, we talked about it last episode. If Mark Spector, Mark Spector wrote an article that said Chris Russell should get a C on his jersey <laughs> for courage. I promise you, so I promise you, if Mark Masters or Luke Fox Jukebox ever wrote an article like that about a single Leafs player, Twitter would absolutely explode. Yeah. All I want is to be allowed to give credit for the team what they're doing now. I don't listen. They're probably going to lose in the first round of the playoffs again, and I'll be heartbroken. But that's in May. I want to talk about now, like Jack Camp. I'm sorry, Jack Campbell has looked pretty damn good. Like he's nine he's, and two. He's the and Mike's not going to like me saying this. He's the like at this point in time, if you award the Vesna, he's there. Like you know what I mean? He's he's putting up like uh, was it 2011 Tim Thomas vibes right now? He yeah. is. Let me, exceptional right now. Can I just pull something up for you? Because also the Leafs don't play defense slander. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. They've allowed the third, like they've allowed 49 goals. Do you know who's ahead of them? I will not look. I know Calgary at 43, but I looked away. How many, how many, like who's back? Carolina has 47 and Calgary has 43 goals allowed. They're the third least amount of goals allowed in the league. They also have the six best total what? differential, which is it, pretty good. This makes no sense. How? How? Like, this is in my first time in history I'm seeing this, and now I'm not allowed to say Jack Campbell's good. Well, and, and to be honest, Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall haven't looked fantastic together this year. No, it's it's been a roller coaster, those two. Their most important defensive pairing has not looked good this year, and it's still this. Am I allowed to say Jack Campbell's good? I mean, people are being pretty complimentary of Genny Kuznetsov, and they were getting ready to throw him to the mob. So I think you can give Campbell, Campbell Thank some you. credit here. Okay, Campbell and gets my credit. Nice person. Okay, yeah. answer me this. Has has our boy Mitch Marner scored a power play goal yet? 
Uh, they haven't played. Oh, they played one game against Anaheim. I I don't think so. And I don't think he scored in that game. I could I, be wrong. I, but I'm gonna. Sure. I'll go double check. I just. I don't think so. Until he scores a power play goal, I'm not letting. I'm not letting anyone praise him on this show. Okay. That's We're gonna fine. run with that bit for as long as I can. That's okay. I can. I can live with that. That one I will live with. The other ones I won't. Shout out by the way that uh, the Caps are still like obviously it's Florida, Toronto, and Washington at the top of the league right now, and then same with Carolina. Like it's really close, but like the Caps have been so freaking good. Like side note there, not to take away from Toronto, but um, yeah, I'm excited to watch this game tonight. And uh, if you want to rough up the the Colorado Avalanche, that'd be cool because they're in Montreal tomorrow. And I'm going to the game, so if you want to just you know do us a favor, um, you know. That'd be nice. I don't know. They might get blown out. Like I just, I can't figure out. Figure Probably, yeah. Out, let so. the, if you listen, get them fat and happy. So you know they show up to St. Catharines and Avenue de Canada Gen. They, you know, they just. I'll take it. Oh sure, man. Yeah. No, I'm scared for that. I legitimately am terrified to see Montreal. Like that screams a six nothing loss tomorrow. By the way. <laughs> anyway. And are they going to throw Caden Primo in it again? That's the question. No, nah, because Allen's hurt. Uh, Sorry, no, because Allen's back. So. Uh, I know, I know the reference you were making there. His first game, but yeah, right. that would be that would be cool. Okay, I think we can uh, we can keep going here. We can keep going here. Um, we'll hold off about Troy Terry and that, as well as the World Junior stuff, because Canada got their stuff announced today. And uh, I'm sure next episode we're going to talk about Brand Clark not being on the team because even I. So I every. One thing, I feel like every year when the World Juniors comes around, everyone's kind of like, everyone turns into experts of the CHL all of a sudden. But Brant Clark not being, and we'll talk about with Daniel, I just want to say, no. Brant Clark not being on the team is outrageous even to me. And I don't like saying like this guy should be on the roster. It's it's kind of like Alex Debrinkat-ish. Yeah. Like, I don't know much about the CHL. My CHL knowledge is uh, limited, I imagine, compared to Daniel's. Yes. But, like... I mean, even I know like Brand Clark should be on the team. Like the even the people on Twitter who I know watch the CHL are genuinely confused at why Brand Clark is not on this team. You know what's not been talked about a ton? What is that? Maybe it's because I'm not a baseball guy, but the fact that we maybe like the MLB might be having a lockout. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, been that's very a, quiet. That's the thing. I've seen Alan Walsh tweet about it a couple times. God bless him. <laughs> I love him. I love Alan Walsh. <laughs> Okay, anyway, where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we? Jack Hughes, eight-year deal. The AAV is $8 million. That is a little rich. I get it. Listen, they, they've got – it's rich. It's rich. It, 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 listen, he's an exciting player. The only thing that hurts with Jack Hughes is, you know, he had the hot start last year, and then, you know, the doubles are bad. He was really great to start this year. We all remember when he threw his stick into the crowd for that celebration when Patrick Kane forgot how to play defense. You know, the Blackhawks, period, don't know how to play defense. Yeah. And then he got hurt. I have a feeling, like you got right? you know, first overall pick, lots of skill, and that there's a reason he went first overall and he was so highly thought of. But it, it just it feels a little rich. There's this sort of the last few, if you're thinking of RFA contracts, Georgiev, Kaprizov, a lot's been made of how little NHL games they've played. Um, but you know what? It's he has a higher ceiling than Nick Suzuki. So I get that he made more. Like, I think if you saw what Nick Suzuki got, if you're Jack Hughes, you can say, oh, well, I want more. And he did. And he was going to get more than he sure probably. So like, I, I get why they made the deal, though. 
at right now, that's a rich contract. Yeah, that is quite expensive. He actually is making uh, $750,000 more per year uh, than Nico Hichier. Um I, I mean, listen, man, that guy came in confident this season. Uh, you Just go ripped back, the Canucks. <laughs> ripped the Canucks on uh, Tim and Friends. And he, I, I loved his interview uh, with Friedman and Merrick. I just, yeah, it's a little rich right now, but I think because it's eight years, it has that ability to age so well. Yeah, hundred percent. So like like well. Sidney Crosby's. How fu- like how funny is it that Sidney Crosby makes less than nine million dollars still? Yep, it's something like, else. It's, it's insane. I just think of that sometimes, and I'm like, <laughs> like so good. Best player to ever play the game. Sidney Crosby. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Just look at – we talked about it before. We'll have it again when he retires. This thing is, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little congested, trying not to breathe too hard into the mic here because that would be awful. Um, a good player, not as good as Sidney Crosby, not even as good as his brother, to be honest. Uh, Miku Koivu will have his uh, number retired by the Minnesota Wild on March 9th. Yeah. Uh, good for you, but I like Saku better. <laughs> Fair. Fair, man. I don't mean to trash him. I just, I just thought we would take the moment to just acknowledge because that's it is. It's a hell of an accomplishment, and it's better than retire. It's better than retiring a number for the fans. Yeah, fair. No man, that guy Miku Koivu is. He was there for a while, and then he had that weird stretch in Columbus, and then left. And it's like ah, so close. You can never forget about that. Like, and also another sort of just we're gonna go a little quick here because we 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 still have some stuff to talk about. Um. The stars are heating up, so I thought, you know, we were rough on him about the Riley Tough stuff, but Dallas been turning around since, coincidentally enough. And um, apparently, I think it was, no, no, today's, is today Tuesday? No, it's Wednesday. So yesterday, um, he would have totally coached his 2,500th game, 2,500th game, um, which apparently is the most in NHL history. So congratulations. Congratulations to Rick Bonus. Uh, That's a hell of an accomplishment. That is a hell of an accomplishment. I did not realize uh, he had coached that many games, but wow, good for him. It's just because he's been an assistant for so long, right? So I guess people were just, you know, it's when I saw that, I'm like, wait wait a minute. He's only been the head coach for like, oh, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, he's been an assistant for years now. Um, So that's rough. Okay, uh, also some more stuff from 32 Thoughts. Uh, actually, first off, because we haven't mentioned this because we stopped recording, Evander Kane is a new agent. It's Dan Milstein um, because his old agents are suing him. That is a horrible situation, bro. So it is what it is. I laughed out loud when I – this is thought number five from Elliot. There are two questions on Evander Kane. First, is there anything that isn't public, uh, te- is public teams need to be worried about? If the answer is no, we move to what is his salary? If it's the current $7 million, the market is very limited. If it's 3.5, San Jose have let teams know they're willing to eat half. The market grows and potentially even more if a third team is involved to lower uh, the hit. Now, here's the important part. A reminder that Kane has a three-team trade list. And like many players, he manipulates it so that it's hard to move him. For example, I believe one of the teams is Winnipeg, and we know that's not happening. I laughed so hard. It was just that. a yeah, yeah. Just an odd. Thing. It was an odd, odd thing to put in there. But I assume Winnipeg may not was in know. There. 
Didn't end well there. Famous picture of Dustin Bufflin flipping him off. Yeah, no. I, I don't know if Winnipeg wants him back. I don't Absolutely know. not. Like I, I think they're going pretty well right now. Um, I also don't know why Kane would not want to facilitate help facilitate a trade like because it's he we don't so have dick? no but the thing is is he's he's saying that his teammates there's he's still good with his teammates but it, it it doesn't it doesn't seem like that like the perception and and i don't know i'm just making assumptions here but the perception from the interviews i've listened to from uh sharks players it, it just doesn't necessarily seem that way so why would you be in a why would you want to stay in a place where you're not necessarily liked? Like it's not good for you and it's not good for the team. And they're doing a lot better. The Sharks, by the way, uh, 12 points in 16 games. Eric Carlson, he's back. I just want to mention that. Uh, okay. okay. Where else? Uh, so Brendan Lemieux, he got his suspension. It is five games. Okay. I'm also going to read another snippet, uh, snippet from 32 thoughts, five games for binding someone. Because there's a the back half of this is kind of annoying. Um, so Brandon Lemieux, five game suspension. Do 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 do. Um, the league explanation video inferred that there was an aggressive defense as to what could be proven. The cut is remember this part, please, Alex. The cut is clear on Kachuk's right hand, but it is specially noted that quote while circumstantial so that circumstantial evidence supports the argument. Uh, Lemieux may have bitten Kachuk multiple times during this fight. We are limiting our review of the incident to the bite that occurs almost immediately after the player falls to the ice. That is to the left hand. Quote, Due to a lack of evidence, this decision does not include an analysis of how Kachuk ended up bleeding from his right hand. The narrator in the NHL's video added, the NHL said it used video evidence supported by the official's report and medical information supported by the Senators. By keeping the suspension under six games, an arbitrator doesn't get involved. The only appeal is to the commissioner. Can can I just say, I know they have to release all this stuff and they got to say all this stuff. How ridiculous it is that they're talking about biting. Can we like is is that not more than ridiculous? What's ridiculous is a lack of evidence when when Brady Kachuk literally has bite marks on his hand. Like it, it doesn't matter if it's like retaliatory. It's it, or retaliation. I don't think retaliatory is a real word. Um, but it's literally on his hand. He's literally bleeding. He, he Lemieux drew blood. Like come on. He bit him. <laughs> Like I, I, I don't know what else that? to say. He, he bit him. him. He, I'm not gonna. A, I, it's yeah. No, dude. I'm as as confused as you <laughs> are. There, there is literally no way to defend. Well, unless you're Jonathan Quick, then you can defend it. <laughs> I get if you're standing up for your teammate, but you don't need to say that because you would 100 percent take Brady Kachuk. Hundred percent. Listen, you can say the comments are garbage and whatever. Uh, hold on, context. Jonathan Quick responded basically supporting his teammate and saying that they would, they would rather have Brendan Lemieux than Brady Kachuk. <laughs> but okay. I don't even think that was like the craziest part of that quote. I think the craziest part of the quote is when he goes, well, you know, I have my opinion of what happened. It's like, what do you mean? He bit the man. He literally <laughs> bit the man. What other opinion could you possibly have other than Br- Brendan Lemieux bit Brady Kachuk? 
Man, I, he just didn't. Maybe that's why he didn't say it because it's like, yeah, you shouldn't have bit him. Yeah, but we, he's a good teammate. I, he bit a man, but he's a good teammate. I don't know, man. I don't really know. Kind of like, I don't know how the NHL could be so cocky about the officiating. So Rod Brindamore gets upset at the end of a game uh, to Washington. Uh, it's a late game penalty to Sebastian Ajo. And he, he kind of loses it on the bench. And in his post game, he said, quote, it's a tough way to, to end the game. Uh, it was a great game, a great hockey game. What are you going to do? But he's losing it on um, on on the officials, right? So something else from 32 Thoughts here. The explanation came from an, 18, an October 18th memo sent to GMs and coaches indicating the league has, quote, already seen several instances of head coaching, sorry, head coaches making unacceptable public comments, critical of officiating, and video replay. Um, we know that Brenda Moore got some uh, got a fine last year in the playoffs, um, and the fine is a minimum of twenty five thousand dollars. And apparently, going into this season, um, that violations in that would minimum now be twenty five thousand um, dollars. Apparently, coaches can say they disagree with the decision and that they saw it a different way. So what Brenda Moore technically said in the media wasn't that bad. And if he was abusing the official, the official can always throw him out the game. But again, it's just the nerve of the NHL to be like, listen here, we obviously, you know, we all I'm trying to say, right? It's the the fact that every ref seems to call the game a different way and there's different standards every night and that basically you can't critique them. Otherwise, you're going to find them a quarter of, a, of like 100K. Like just, I want you to think about that, like from a normal person's point of view, right? If it was like you criticized the way like the school, let's say example, you criticize the way Ryerson laid out your course intentions, right? And they find you $25,000. Man, I would be quite poor. You would be paying off that OSAP for the rest of your life. I, I, I man, and imagine if that they actually find me for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's just, it's such a funny little, it's just, that's, it's not funny. It's just kind of garbage. It's Okay. I want to separate. Listen, I don't think Rod Brindamore should. That was necessarily appropriate conduct. I get it. That's fine. I'm okay with it, distinguishing that. But the nerve of the NHL for time and time and time again to claim they have the best leagues in the world. And I get it's a publicity stunt. Every league does it. It's just asinine that they do it so often. And they have the balls to keep doing it without even changing a single thing. Like, how are we still in the position after Tim Peel, knowing that? And and let's be let's be clear. Let's remind people: Tim Peel is not the only one who does stuff like that. No. Tim Peel is was was the scapegoat there. Why can't we fix it? Like, what what is the what is the issue why can't we fix it and i think i have the answer it's because gary bettman and his and the owners because he's not alone are so damn stubborn that they don't want to fix something that's not like that they think is okay they can't see the fact that what is current what this system is is it they think it's fine they don't see it as broken that's the issue and then you're just not allowed to critique it like that's kind of censorship isn't it (laughs) You're not going to let someone to appropriately, like, just, like, Rod Brindamore, again, to the media, he was, there's nothing wrong with saying it's a shame to see a game end like that. 
it wasn't like Bruce Cassidy who was like, man, it's funny the Islanders are getting away with everything. You know what I mean? Brendan Moore is an intense guy, but you know what he? I just I thought he was. I don't think that was worth it. As in, sorry, I don't think it was. It was worth what the NHL gave them. I just, yeah, you're right. It's they. They don't see a problem with it. I just have a problem with with that. Obviously, in the way the game is called in period, but it's just I don't like that. Criticizing it is instantly a boom. You're you're fine. Just think of it like this, right? What did PK Subban get for his slew foot on Sammy Blay? Like eleven thousand dollars? Yeah, whatever the maximum was. And Sammy Blay is not going to play again this year. He's hurt from that. But so, we criticize the officials, and we get, and I know it's a CBA thing, but we criticize, but more than double that for for putting a player out for the rest of the season. And I'm not saying PK did it on purpose. Um, he still slew foot him. He meant to do that, but I don't think he meant to hurt him for the whole season. But double that just because someone criticized a call is just I don't I don't like that. So he, uh, this is Frank Saravelli last night. Uh, the quote unquote inappropriate conduct for which Kane's coach, Kane's coach Rod Brindamore was fined $25,000 today by the NHL wasn't for the comment, but for what happened on the bench. So yeah, I, I'd like to know exactly what he said, or was it, did he call the ref an idiot? Did he swear at him? Because players do that. He so very I don't much know why a coach can't. I can't lip read very well. He very much swore at him. I can tell you that by watching the but video. They swear at players. Remember no, when no, who oh, was the ref that told Brendan Gallagher to F off? That happens every other shift. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what he said. Whatever. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure what he said. But Remember like, when Colton Pareko was behind the net and the mic caught up like the ref saying, you got to move the puck. And he's like, I can do what I want. Yeah. I, I think this is just a bigger issue than what's happened uh, here. Yeah, no, it's it is. Um, something I may, I'm sure you've seen it. Yes. Um, so Darcy Kemper will not dress tonight. Jonas Johansson will get the start in net. Uh, Justice Anuwin has been recalled from the Eagles, but um, an emergency backup goalie will join the Avs, and that is University of Toronto. Boo! Boo. Um, goalie Jet Alexander. So that's pretty cool. Wow. Where's the hate for Ryerson? What is this? I don't know. I don't know. Why? What are they doing? I can't wait. He's a Leafs fan and everything's so cool. <laughs> oh, and yeah, I didn't he wins see the that, game. that Elliot responded to a comment saying it better not be David Ayers. <laughs> you know what? I, I think if they ever got to see David Ayers again in a game somehow, I feel like it would be like 20 to nothing. Like, I feel like the Leafs would just. Oh, damn right it would be. Like, Jason Spezza alone, like Simmons would be like, I, I wasn't part of this, but I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen. I feel like it would just be a bloodbath. Anything less would be unacceptable. Uh-huh. And uh, I think Dubis would be fired on the spot if they lost again. Everyone, everyone should be fired. Um, and last thing, we almost forgot about this. Uh, pretty big deal. Jake DeBrusque, the Boston Bruins player, he's pretty decent. Of those three through first round picks, uh, was actually the good one. Um, hasn't had a great past few seasons for the Bruins. Um, and uh, has requested a trade. Now, it doesn't look like it's going to happen right now because... Uh, there's been COVID stuff going on with, you know, the Bruins AHL team. Um, we know that um, they've also, Brad Marchand actually got, a, Brad Marchand got suspended for slew footing Oliver Ekman Larson, which I didn't, I don't know the last time he's actually been suspended, but I thought it was really funny. So they do need him and he will play, but I think this was following him actually getting scratched. So, and apparently the interest has been 
nearly every team in the league. Dreger on Insider Trading mentioned a whole bunch of teams. Um, I think both the the Carolina's been in there, Edmonton's been in there. He mentioned Montreal, which is like, how in the world? Because they don't have a GM. I'd like to know how they were interested in him. Um, but hey, Boston guy, Jeff Gordon. Um, it was. I was just. It's a real shame. I'm not surprised by the way things have gone the past three years, but and apparently at the game in Boston after he requested, apparently he was not received very well by the Boston crowd, believe it or not. Classy, classy. You know, I mean, like those Boston fans, just grade A class. What are you doing, Alex? Nothing. I'm just saying they claim to be so good and then they crap on everyone else. And then they pull this. That's all I'm saying. They're just this. They're just as bad as everyone else. Like just the reality. <laughs> Who's saying the Bruins are angels? Themselves. Are themselves. Like themselves. I mean, every fan base has those people, but I just want them to be reminded of the fact that they're just as bad as everyone else. Fair enough. But anyway, Jake DeBrusque. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Jake DeBrusque. Um, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate things didn't work out. Like you said, those three first-round draft picks, looking back on it, not fantastic. No. Um, but – there are some teams. I mean, I think when we were talking when it first came out, I picked the Oilers because he was fr- he's was born and raised in Edmonton. Uh, but I mean, again, it would be a good fit. We always talk about winger depth on that team, and would be nice. The uh, Kiprios also said the Flames were interested, and I think that would also be that would make a lot of sense considering yeah. the way he can play, and I think that would work under Daryl Sutter. Um, but whatever team he goes to, I think he, he will thrive in just because sometimes players just need a fresh start. Like things haven't worked for a couple of years and fresh start might be needed. I just hope wherever he is, they put him like, he'll get some power play time and at least top six ice time. So he can get his looks with the puck. That's one thing I worry about is if he goes to Edmonton and I've just saw this off the top of my head, he's not playing with Connor probably. Because who who's on that right now? It's it's him, Kyle, Leon Drysidel, and who's the third guy? Pulley uh, Harvey sometimes. Yeah, Pulley Harvey. And then the second line's what Nugget Hopkins. I know it's new. Don't judge me. Uh, uh, Nugget Hopkins, Hyman, Hyman, and probably Yamamoto. Uh, I will double check on Yamamoto, but yeah, when you maybe so. he gets in there, and that's if if you can put him with like with Nugget Hopkins and. Um, my dog's yelling because she's like, "Yeah, I like that maybe, idea." Nugget maybe Hopkins. no, maybe it is right. I just like, I'd like to know what their what their lines are like right this second from Steely Face Ops, and maybe uh, give me uh, one second here. I'm just pulling it up. Ooh, Why is Elliot um, retweeting everything? Breaking. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi has been placed on COVID nineteen protocol. Um, that's important because he's the. I think he's the only active NHLer who's not vaccinated, right? I believe so. I hope people don't rip him apart in the comments because you know they are. I mean, we can go check uh, once, we do, once yes, we're done yes. recording. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto is playing on that uh, second line. Man, man, this was updated this afternoon. But guess who is playing on the first line with Leon? Or please, oh, they changed it up. Me. They play. They change it up. They change it up. Who? So it's Hyman and McDavid right now, and Drysaddle and Nuge Yamamoto. Who is the third guy on McDavid and Hyman's line? Um. Uh, Terrace? No. no. I'm, uh, there's a guy I'm trying to avoid saying because I'm really hoping they didn't do it. They did it. I don't even know who the rest of their bottom six is. Um, Is it is it actually Cassian? It is Zach Cassian. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, Why? I don't understand. That makes no sense. Uh, yeah. 
I, I'm literally, I didn't, re- I, I had to do a double take. I had to do a double take on that one. I'm, I'm a little confused. I'm going to try to look at his stats to figure out what on earth he's been doing the last five games to deserve a promotion to the first line. Like I'm very well aware that we're, we're both proponents that dry and, and McDavid should play separately because they're both centers. Yeah. Um, but I didn't necessarily think he he should have been um, Zach Cassian should have been and uh, he has I nine points in sixteen games. Maybe they're swapping it up because I know I want to say it was last week or the week before they were they were having some off games. I know like uh, Connor wasn't happy about it, um, so maybe it, it has something to do with that. By the way, if you want to see another version of the Canucks versus an awful team, they're playing the Sens, even though by the time you hear this, it will have been over probably. Um, But that was interesting. Um, And and yeah, people are ripping Bertuzzi, by the way. Yeah. Which is really shit. I shouldn't swear. But that's, that's, don't do that, people. Be good people, really. Don't do that. I I just, I don't understand. Like, Jesse Pugliarvi has 16 points in 20 games. Like what about um who was it who did they get from Carolina that I really Warren, really like Warren Fogle try anyone up there except Cassie I just don't you know, understand Hyman does everything Cassie does except better yeah and he cannot see score and, and I think like maybe putting Warren Fogle up there might not be the best just for the sake of like him and Hyman might be playing a similar role but yeah. like Jesse Pugliarvi I just said sixteen points in twenty games he has seven goals. That's weird, man. Whatever. Whatever. Oh they God. do whatever they want. I cannot let, I'm not going to complain. They're winning. Exactly. Okay. That's it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, uh, go on the Apple podcast app and download the show. I know it's a little late, but do it anyway. Do it every time we have an episode. It automatically downloads it, which is really annoying if you don't go to the app for a week and then it downloads 20 podcasts at once because they keep messing with it. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, check out all the show social medias, ours as well, including Daniel's. He's around. Check out his stuff for CGRU, my YouTube channel, Alex's blog, uh, the show's TikTok. Um, Brady Kachuk is doing an interview. I'd love to see the bite mark. Uh, that would be really funny. Um, and yeah, we will see you soon.